0: What's up, friends? Today, I got one of my best friends on the podcast. I think y'all are gonna be hearing him a lot more in the future. He is Stassi Harris. Oddly <laughs> observing. What's up man? How you doing today? Hey I'm doing good. I know we before we got on the podcast we were just talking about sports as usual and we can go on the math side the number side but who's gonna win the NFC East this year?
1: Oh well you know it's gonna be the Dallas Cowboys.
0: <laughs> yeah I think we're, I think we're pretty biased in that. I was talking to Cameron last night and he was saying that the Giants are somehow going to become 8-8 uh, eight and eight at least, even though they lost Odell. What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, one thing is <laughs> I'm probably going to draft Saquon Barkley in fantasy, of course. They're going to give him the ball a lot. Hopefully, we can see Zeke play all 16 games, and <laughs> with that, I think we'll at least see double-digit wins, and that might be enough. But if Carson Wentz plays the whole season... That could be another factor.
0: Yeah, because everybody keeps – doubt. I mean, at least from my perspective, it seems like people keep giving uh, Carson Wentz the sh- shyest shoulder just because Nick Foles has ca- came in and been the hero a couple times. But I think people are underestimating his talent. And for the Cowboys, I think Dak is still underrated, but yet still has so much to prove. He's getting paid, and now this is his make-or-break year pretty much.
1: Yeah, definitely. Dak better prove it this year, because if he has a down year, everyone's going to be downing the money, and they're going to need to give Amari Cooper maybe more money.
0: Yeah, I mean, Amari's got hands, so I want to keep him as long as we can. So do you want to tell the story about Zeke in the past couple weeks, or should I? I think uh, you're the better source. I bet. So as we know, Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott, feed me, whatever you want to say or call him. He didn't show up for training camp. Now it's pretty typical for everyone that's playing on the team to be at training camp, but he's negotiating for a contract. Now in my eyes on the business side, it's okay for him to be not using his body and being smart and trying to negotiate. But at some point he's just got to get to work and put all that behind him. With all that aside, The first day of training camp is happening and I get a text from a family member and they say Zeke's in my restaurant right now and he's on the phone yelling at people. Comes to find out that Zeke is in there yelling at the Cowboys front office for not giving him his money basically. And people were trying to go up and take pictures and it just wasn't the moment and I heard it was a pretty funny scene. But with that being said, I think the Cowboys are going to finish 8-8, eight and eight, and I think mediocrity is going to breed yet another year. Do you have any official predictions, Stassi?
1: Well, likely the pessimist Pete <laughs> likes to have low expectations for the Cowboys so they can pleasantly surprise him. Ah, uh, yes. I think they might put two good years together this year, and I'll go
0: 10 wins I mean, I'm hoping for the best, so we'll see what's up. And I guess we'll just stay in the city since we are both from Dallas, born and raised the Mavericks. Last year was a disappointing year in the win column, but I think we all know that we're building towards a pretty good future. Now we got Chris Dapp's, Porzingis. KP. Yeah, KP, my man. And we got Luka Doncic. And who else we got? You probably know it a little bit better than me. How's the roster looking for next year?
1: Well, we signed Maxi Kleva again, and Dwight
0: Powell will still be there. I think he, I mean, not to take it back too far, but Dwight Powell I think was a steal when Rondo originally got traded to the Mavericks from the Celtics. And he's slowly, slowly developed, but he's came into his role now where he can be a pretty good bench player. And those type of bench players, from my experience and your experience playing basketball, usually can make the difference in a playoff or championship run. I mean, just look at the Warriors, right? Yeah, we can definitely see a trend. Uh, big men that can shoot
1: seems to be a key. <laughs> so we we got a lot of big men, four or five, since the league is so much more fluid, shooting the three ball. At a high percentage, and we're going to see Luka Doncic have a lot more space going to the rim, kicking it out, along to our new addition that hasn't seen the floor yet with the Dallas Mavericks. KP, hopefully he's, hopefully he gets a strong season back under himself.
0: Yeah, I I like the trend that the Mavericks are doing. Putting Kristaps with Luca, both oversized for their position, but both extra skillful. I think that's an experiment that hasn't really been played with, and while considering how Luca is so young too, I think that even if it takes two or three years, I think the Mavericks are in pretty good shape, but. To keep it in the NBA, <laughs> I don't think you can talk about the NBA without talking about my man LeBron James. Is he going to lead the Le- uh, Los Angeles Lakers back to the playoffs and back to a title?
1: He's at least going to play like – have a, he's going to have an MVP caliber season. That's for sure. Somewhere around – probably his career averages, 27-7-7. <laughs> seven and seven.
0: Yeah, just ridiculous numbers.
1: And shooting at definitely above a 50% – Hopefully, he gets his three-point and free throws up. Well, still better than Russell Westbrook.
0: Yeah, um, I've said before that Russell Westbrook is my favorite point guard to watch. And I still think he's the most exciting player to watch when he's healthy. And it's crazy to me that he's linking back up with James Harden now in Houston, which... Houston has a feud with Dallas, but Dallas doesn't have a feud with Houston because <laughs> we actually have won a title recently. But I think this is might be Houston Rockets' sleeper year. They got two MVPs, and they got some good role players. They don't have cap space, but I think they're all right because it's all about now. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Daryl Moore would definitely agree with you. <laughs> so who else is a sleeper team we should be looking out for Stasi for the next NBA season, who can we, in six months' time, when we look back at this podcast, who can be like, ah, oh, Stasi was right. That team surprised me and made it to the playoffs and did well. Well, I don't know if I could say any team in the West is a
1: sleeper since everyone's got a big star. So I'll go to the East. If Indiana consi- is considered a sleeper, I'd go Indiana for sure because they have Victor Oladipo hopefully coming back from injury strong and they still have miles turner and they both may want to be there because dynamic duos may be just what it takes in the nba and they're only one piece
0: away hopefully they can
1: draft something so indiana pacers my sleeper
0: nice i like that and you mentioned about the dynamic duos i'm glad you said that because i almost forgot about that that now we have about five or six pretty good dynamic duos in the nba but on a thematic level if you're looking at it from a bird's eye view it's funny cuz we just went from super like the idea of a super team having to get stacked up to now it it's almost as if the NBA is becoming slightly more distributed. Wouldn't you agree? With these oh, duos?
1: Definitely. Much more distributed. How do,
0: do you like it better that way or do you like did you like the super team era?
1: No, there's more energy now. I don't know if it's just the movement in general with everyone moving teams and free agency or that it's uh, wide open. I mean, Vegas even knows it's wide open.
0: Vegas is pretty much always right with their odds making. It's almost crazy. They get
1: pretty close.
0: Yeah. It's not correct. Just for a short example, for people that aren't used to uh, the idea of number lines, Vegas makes lines for every single game, like how much... Each team's supposed to win by, according to how well they've played in the season, how good their players are, who's playing. And, for example, the past three nights, the, Vegas has said, hey, Texas Rangers game is going to be at nine and a half runs, over-under, and every single time, and ended up at nine exactly. It's pretty weird, and this happens all the time. It makes me wonder if Marty McFly actually did come back from the future and give them all the sports scores.
1: Oh, I love Back to the Future.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for some of the tech that I saw in that to show up here, but I think, <laughs> I think we're working on some stuff. Should be cool. All right, so. You're, way more interesting than just sports talk and sports analytics. Let's give the audience a little bit of background about what you're doing now, Stoss, and or what you're about to do, and where where you're doing that and what your focus is.
1: I just recently graduated from Arkansas, go pigs. (laughs) And I'm starting my master's at North Texas and I'm looking to study a master's in finance with a concentration in FinTech finance technology.
0: Nice man. That's, I mean, I know because we talk about it off the podcast all the time, finance, the markets literally on a daily basis. Isn't it interesting that for the first time in about, what, nine years, that the Fed has had a rate cut? And for those of the viewers that don't understand what a, a rate cut is, the Federal Reserve Bank controls the flow of all money in this country. And they get to set a rate at which people borrow that money. For the first time in nine years, they just lowered that rate called a rate cut. Now, this has huge implications in finance, and I'll let Stasi tell you a little bit more about what kind of implications that has and some technologies that are happening in spite of this and that are building some pretty good uh, structure. So, Stas, would you like to give us a little bit of insight on that?
1: Sure, definitely. Well, I'll go right into some of the technologies that are Gaining much and much interest as eyes and Twitter eyes are always on government and their actions is Bitcoin. That's a hot topic buzzword, and for years and years, there's been built in, in built in inflation in the U.S. currency, and Bitcoin is one way around that. And you can get very topical and survey. The surface of Bitcoin and what it's about, or you can get very detailed uh, into all the technology. Uh, Peter's much better the technical side, but one thing that Bitcoin I can talk to talk about is how it's re- reached reached uh, mass public. It's even on apps that are used to transfer money and currency and monetary value, uh, Cash App. You can buy it on Cash App and store it just like you could send $2 yeah, it's, to pay it's, for some.
0: It's interesting that certain companies are embracing the technology such as Square, which is run by the same CEO as Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and then companies such as Facebook that want to create their own monetary system with a Facebook mon- monetary symbol or coin, token, whatever you want to call it. And I think we're about to get into some black mirror situations with corporations having currency their own currency and like stock giving it inherent value i think the future of money is really going to be always about people using the currency and it having fluidity in the economy but i don't want to get too much into the bitcoin specifics today I feel like we should do a whole separate podcast for that and probably just spend an hour talking about that. So I have one question for you, Stas. If there was one question you could have answered right now, what would that be? Uh, Not
1: to sound too basic, maybe a lot of people have the same question, but if there's any one inherent purpose for life that isn't explained by some books...
0: Yeah, I think that's a question people have been asking since the dawn of time and will probably be continuing to ask forever, but I think it's also part of what makes us human a little bit to dwell on that question.
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of people agree, but more and more science and technology comes along. It might be easier or we might shed a little more light
0: on that question. So it's always (laughs) interesting to stay on that topic and I've mentioned it earlier in the podcast is black mirror situations. I think people are starting to finally wake up to the idea that every piece of technology is basically inherently flawed and can be susceptible to being hacked, which can then lead to a wide array of compromises, including information, Location, facial recognition, all this stuff. And I think it's important that people start to really stay aware about their security with their own devices and homes they go into, et because we really quick are going to get into a very Black Mirror situation where everything about privacy is done. And I don't think that's an inherently American thing. I think people should have a choice about their privacy.
1: Yes, I would have to agree that we're all entitled to privacy and we should want privacy it's just with more and more of our data out there for all the things we use whether it be uh, internet social media or what we buy through Amazon uh, I don't I just don't know if everyone needs. it's gonna take a lawyer and a computer science major to figure out what your data is being used for and what's actually safe or will be safe in five years
0: Yeah, we don't know. That's true because whenever you're within a a system, it's easy to get so deep into the grain of stuff that you forget the big picture. And I think that can happen with some of this information. People don't even realize what they're giving away until five years later. And then it comes out, but the damage has literally already been done and the infrastructure has been laid for future uh, attacks.
1: Yes, I think there's a lot of, Susceptible information out there right now. Obviously, I mean we all we seem to hear it once a month is some kind of information leak from uh, what was it just happened. Capital One? Capital One. Yeah, my one of my roommates has Capital One. I don't personally, but I don't know if he was affected.
0: Yeah, and this Capital One breach was actually relatively small in comparison to some of the recent ones, like uh, some of the credit unions that are large in the U.S. Uh, And these corporations are still settling right now. And I think this is just a precursor to what's coming and privacy. And it's crazy because we all have access to this crazy technology called an iPhone. And the technology that is coming is only going to be crazier. So we really, really have to stay aware of what the incentives are for the people that are giving you a product.
1: Definitely when a lot of the products... Come from or affected by uh, companies like Facebook, who are uh, have a contentious relationship with the government. You could say,
0: yeah, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think necessarily having a, a relationship with the government is a bad thing because we always want to make sure the U.S. is safe in every way. But you know, Facebook has their own ways of misusing that relationship. I think we can agree without going too deep into it. Yeah, (laughs) but let's get into a personal experience that we have between us and that really brought us I would say a lot of experience in our life was our couple summer trips up to Syracuse for a very, very intense basketball camp do you have any memories of that?
1: yes, (laughs) I have many memories a lot of fond memories all basketball, all food and no worries. Yeah, so I, I
0: guess, uh, sorry for the viewers if we're uh, or listeners, if I'm assuming that y'all know too much about us, that's my fault. Me and Stassi have played basketball together since the fifth or sixth grade. And we actually started out as playing against each other and got in, did a heated game one time, and then we ended up on the same team the next year. And then ever since then, we've been pretty much best friends. And have lived close to each other, played on the same teams, uh, AAU travel teams around the country. The Syracuse basketball camp was very special and different because it almost felt like you were at college while we were only in middle school. And even then, I feel like we picked up a lot of lessons from those camps that helped us out with our just recent college uh, experience.
1: It was essentially college without having to go to class, which is (laughs) what I wish college was <laughs> but you got to stay in the door as 12 and 13 year olds you got to stay in the dorm you got to go across to the real carrier dome it's where they play football and basketball in Syracuse and you got to eat the dining halls all you could eat which, uh,
0: you loved that didn't you which
1: I love because I can eat and especially at 12 <laughs> and 13 years old there
0: wasn't anything I couldn't eat and Stasi for everyone that doesn't know Stasi can probably eat more than anyone I know. And not only can he eat more than anyone I know, I think he's very proud of that title. And he will challenge anyone that comes in his path. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit too proud. <laughs> <laughs> but while we were at Syracuse, we had some really good uh, moments because we got to meet people from all over the world that came here to play basketball. So as 10 and 11-year-olds getting to meet people from Italy that we are still in contact with, and from other Eastern European countries that came over for the camp specifically. It really gave us a wide array of what was out there at such a young age that really helped us get through college successfully. Would you have anything else from Syracuse that really stood out for you? Yes. So Spaniards and Italian Italians,
1: two groups of them, uh, some summers they would come over to Syracuse for camp. And the funniest thing was, when they would do their Euro step, which was the nor- the normal Euro step, but they would always get called for traveling for taking three steps, and that was like ten years ago. And I bet they watch the NBA every day today, now nowadays, and they see all the traveling happening, James Harden's double step backs, and Giannis Antetokounmpo's freakishly long steps that may or may not be three to five steps. And I bet they could
0: just get mad because they could just walk all over the court. That's what they used to do though. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about that to be honest, but there was some moves and some styles of basketball for our listeners that are in love with basketball. This was basically a heaven for this because you had totally different styles. It was like coming to the Olympics as a kid and seeing people from all different parts of the world play different ways and their coach, the coaches would come with them and they would coach differently too. So you got a little bit of experience from them and you got to pick it up on it and take it back home to our travel teams when we were young, where we would go play tournaments every weekend. It was a great, great experience. And I, I hope in the future, Stas, we maybe we can go back and be on the coaching side and really have it come full circle where we give back to some of the, well, give back to the game that gave us so much and taught us a lot and really gave us diverse experiences in our life.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see all those years of hard work pay off a little bit on the coaching side because being a player, you can do so much. But as a coach, you rely on the player to do what you say. So it's definitely, it's definitely a different challenge.
0: Yeah, and I we always like logical puzzles. And basketball is one big puzzle and art in a way. And that's why I think we love it so much and have always stayed interested in it. And that's why we talked about the Mavericks for 10 minutes. But to move on from a personal moment like that, let's stay on the topic of college. We know how great college can be. The experience is great. The education is great at some places, not so great at others. But honestly, people getting educated is a great thing. And college has allowed that in America. So I think before I say anything else, I want to say how much great stuff college has done for the American infrastructure and the education for the future. However, I think the real problem right now is that college debt is out of control. Kids don't understand how much debt they're getting into, how valuable their degree really is, and the skills that they earn from that once they get out into the job force. Not to mention that we've seen the best economy in a long time in the past 10 years. What happens when we have another downturn? What happens when another big bank closes? And all those loans, the interest just keeps compounding. So Anastasia, you, well, we both just graduated, but you're really knowledgeable about the subject, having been a major in finance. So what are some of your ideas of the issue that's happened with the college debt and where it's going?
1: I think for one, it could definitely help to start in the latter years of high school and... However, I got information about scheduling class and college was from my counselors and they really pushed taking AP tests which are kind of like gambling and it's a big big risk if you have to pay out of pocket and well, it's big risk and big reward because you can take care of some college credit but the pass rate is very low and you can take the same kind of class for college credit guaranteed through dual credit courses, which I never took. I only took AP courses and I only passed two of those classes. I mean or the or the tests for college credit. And I would have loved to take dual credit courses and then you get credit guaranteed so you can have more credit going in college for such a low price. And then take a lot of more classes a lot more classes at community college are the same classes you'll take at any four year university such as English. Yeah. I think, I think yeah,
0: I think that's important for some of our current and future young listeners that are still in high school or like your sister about to go to college. That even us that we thought we understood how the system was working, we still had blind spots and we start to see it now that we're out of college, how, the system financially is just really set up to incentivize people coming in, but not necessarily give them skills coming out. And I think that's a fundamental issue that we're going to have to fix in the future. And I, I just, I think universities, their business model, if they're going to want to survive with the power of the internet as it evolves in the next 10 years, they're going to have to figure out the the idea of cutting some administration and actually get teachers that are teaching great skills to these students and give them what they're paying for because the students deserve what they pay for. I wonder if kids or
1: anyone's going to start getting mad about paying the same price at the same university for taking an online class where you're just watching lectures or YouTube videos as watching a lecture in person and using all the resources. Definitely, you would think the cost would go down if all you're using is your laptop and you're just watching already published, watching or reading published information.
0: Yeah, because I I mean, you know that I love the idea of self-taught and being self-taught and people empowering themselves by taking whatever it's in front of them and learning. And I think it's going to come down to it where higher education is going to be necessary for everyone So we can stay a functioning society and stay improving. But I don't know if college will be that higher education in 20 or 30 years like or formal university because everybody deserves to be educated from the poorest person to the richest person. But is college going to be that medium? I don't know if it really will be because I see the Internet and I see people that are 14 learning a skill from YouTube and turning it into a business or a cash flow that is unimaginable 20 years ago. So I think I think we're at an exciting time, but I think there's going to be some frictions. And I'm kind of glad that we are past the undergrad and getting able to see it from a higher point of view now and then be able to adapt because being aware is always a key.
1: I think we'll see a lot more specialized school studies, however you will put it, at a younger age for kids and younger kids all the way from high school to elementary so they might be doing what we would consider college courses now at the ninth and the tenth grade level and maybe being able to do more real real career work career work for uh moving forward in general so you could have whatever we would consider basic curriculum done much earlier which is, in general, what happens over time anyway, because our parents always say, wow, back when I was doing that 30 years ago, it was much easier. And I'm like, yep, yeah, I know. We're, in general, smarter. They tell us the IQs going up.
0: And I think the evolution of education in itself is exciting. And obviously, I don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. Nobody has the answer to figure out like student what we were talking about with student debt. But this student debt is going to become an issue for not only students, but the institutions that hold this debt, whether it be corporate banks, colleges, funds, individuals, all this stuff, when it does, when the bubble does pop in student debt, the banks are always going to try to get their money, which then sets into effect a whole downward spiral of effects of everybody down the chain. So I'm really worried about the student debt bubble popping soon. And soon can mean 10 years and the university system has been there for a while. But when it does happen, I think there will be havoc. And is there any solutions to us that you can think about that will get us back on the right track? One solution
1: would just really be to try to encourage, if not not force but really push taking dual credit courses in college uh, or in high school for college now and having them think about community college more and not just college in general just doing other things because you could work at a dealership easily and be a account a service advisor and make six figures by the time someone's out of college that's yeah. what everyone likes to compare but it's doable uh, to make a good living not going to college but just have more accurate information out there and inform what's going on right now and, and not what was going on like 20 years ago because um, it may have changed a
0: little bit. Yeah, I agree. And like I've said previously in this podcast, I think being aware and people being fed good information about this stuff is the key because then you empower them to make their own choices and at that point you have to let them be human. You, you know, you can't make choices for people because that never works out in the long run right yeah but to move on from such a dre like a dreary feeling of this because college does offer some amazing experiences great friends I mean me and Stassi have become better friends throughout college it really is an awesome experience but I think we just need to stay aware about the consequences of what we're paying and the skills that are being acquired from that I want to get back to sports stars, because this is what you and me live and breathe. Is there any AAU tournament that sticks out to you from when we were playing all over the country when we were little kids? Um, Did we go to Kansas right? Oh yeah, that was, that's about this time of year too because it's like the EYCB Nationals or something like that. <laughs> some <Yeah>. some acronym. <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of acronyms back then <laughs> playing. uh,
1: Well, the Nationals is a different type of level. That's where you really see the future D1 recruits and being in middle school and in early high school, there could really be some size differences. So we had maybe on the older one year older than me and Peter's team. There's definitely some size, some six, eight guys, but on the younger team, we were really lacking the size. So if you're over six foot, you were playing down low and that was really tough sometimes.
0: Yeah. I, but I, I mean, I tell this, these stories all the time especially of tournaments like the nationals that were in Kansas is we had to toughen up a lot because we were supposed to lead our team to victory still. And you and me were always looked at as people that could push the team forward from our, well, Coach Marlowe, you know, he really believed in us. We had to get out there no matter what and make it happen. And I, even if we lost some games, we won some games. We had a lot of fun. We learned a lot of stuff. I think the fact that we built toughness at such a young age in areas and places that we had never seen before really taught us a lot. And I kind of miss it, but at the same time, I think it acquired me and allowed me to be who I am today. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, We definitely got some toughness from playing in tough environments and uh, against much bigger opponents the teamwork was always fun. Sometimes we had a full-court press the whole game, and coach would just leave us in. <laughs> it was okay. We were in much better shape back then. <laughs> uh, traveling in general was fun at that age because you got some – you got perseverance because definitely things don't always go your way. So I got that and pushed me through life. Definitely just to talk about school, uh, like, you know, you never want to do it, but you can just get through it and hard work, like you never want to – you never want to run
0: all as hard as you can for sports, but you can do it. Yeah, you can always just stay. You can always just stay trying your hardest, and it usually, it always seems like down the road, you're able to find some meaning in what in what happened, which is kind of a beautiful thing. And to stay on this idea of beauty, because I, I, I really do think basketball is an art. When you're watching people move up and down the floor, and you watch the NBA game today. How many points are scored, how fast and how athletic these dudes are. I don't think coaches get enough credit for artistic or artistically setting this stuff up, but the players are really just a moving masterpiece when they're playing. People that are 6'5 are jumping 45 inches off the ground to do a 360 dunk. It's ridiculous. And I, I think we watch it and we forget how crazy it is that there's people on this earth that are so talented that can. Do crazy dunks, do crazy dribbles, goes change speeds at a uh, moment's notice. It, it's wild, man.
1: Twitter and Instagram definitely help out with those highlights. And I don't know if it's in the water they're feeding some of these kids, but as soon as you get into high school, this they seem to be doing between-the-leg dunks and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Things that are winning the con- dunk contest right now, like Aaron Gordon, under-the-legs dunk kid was doing that in ninth grade.
0: Yeah, I don't know if any of y'all remember this from Instagram this past week. This kid in Louisiana did a behind the back dunk that Aaron Gordon did. And it just shows you how fast basketball is evolving. Even from when we were playing on a competitive level as youngsters, we thought this was crazy how athletic people were. And now how athletic we were in high school, the kids coming up now are that athletic in late middle school. So... The game is in a great place. And honestly, to get back on the East-West topic, I think the game may be cited to the West right now with talent. But as a whole, I think the NBA is in a better position than it's really ever been.
1: Yeah, I think spreading out the talent definitely did that. Some players came back to the East, like Kyrie. uh, KD. (laughs) KD, my bad. KD came back to the East from warriors and my dad didn't think he was leaving but i told him he was so <laughs> i win that bet and draymond just
0: got paid was what was the contract you remember four year 100 million dollar extension Gee, so twenty five million a year to be the third best player but at the same time he i, I argue that he may be the reason why golden state did win those championships
1: Yeah, add him to the list of players with $100 million contracts. (laughs) But unfortunately, only unfortunately for me because I can't stand him. Because I love it when he misses threes because he can't shoot, I don't think. he, He always makes it when I don't want him to the most, so whatever. But yeah, unfortunately, he's the engine to that team. He just pushes the ball after he rebounds it. And either kicks it out to one of the Splash brothers, which is pretty easy considering they both shoot over 40% from three.
0: (laughs) But next year it'll be interesting. No clay and no KD. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I think we got to give the NBA another two years to settle, and then we're going to see a nice little infrastructure for the future of teams coming at it. But let me wrap this up with our NBA topic for today with one final question that's pretty simple is that Who's going to win the championship this year? I
1: think I think it'll be the Lakers. <laughs> Off record. <laughs> Off record? I need to see all the injuries before the season starts.
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier, but I think people just forget how freaking good LeBron James is and how much he means to the game and how much better the league is when he's playing good. And when the Lakers are good, as much as I hate to say it as a Dallas fan, The league's a better place. So I'm excited to see what he can do for the Lakers. I don't know if the best duo
1: is LeBron and AD, but my most anticipated duo is LeBron and AD
0: because I've been hoping for a duo like that for a long time in NBA. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's crazy that we're already 40, 40 minutes in, and I could literally sit here all day and talk sports with you, but for everyone that's listening at home and in the future, Stasi's going to be on this podcast. He's one of my good friends and he offers a lot of insights into different topics and much like myself, he's very he's a polymath. He's interested in very uh, a wide array of things and those things bleed over to produce really unique insights. So, over the course of the next couple of years, y'all are going to be really getting to know Stasi more and trust me, he's pretty funny. You're going to hear some funny stuff in the future as this podcast progresses. And is there anything, Stas, that you that you want to say before we head out? Oh, actually, I got an idea. Give everybody your socials, Twitter, Instagram, and anything else that you can think of along that.
1: Twitter is at Stassi Harris, S-T-A-S-I, Harris with two R's. And
0: that's good. I can't remember the other one. Instagram, I think it's Stassi Harris, too. Something like that. If you search Stassi Harris, I'm sure it'll pop up. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But that's definitely the Twitter one. Yeah. Uh, I just really enjoyed this and look forward to doing it more in the future.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to get way more comfortable with the medium, too, and be able to really give people some awesome insights and funny moments. But give people one last thing of advice before we get out of here and shut this off, Stassi. One piece of advice for one person listening that's now or in the future.
1: Turn off the water.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was awesome, Stas. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing this again soon. Peace. Thank y'all for listening to the episode today. I want y'all to go follow me on the Oddly Observant social media pages on Twitter. You can find me at Oddly Observant on Instagram, the same thing. And then if you go to Reddit, if you search r slash Oddly Observant, you will be able to find a page where you can leave your comments, your feedback, and even your criticisms. Into the future, I'm really going to be waiting to hear for y'all's feedback and be able to implement it into the show. So if you would please go to oddlyobservant.com and leave me a message. Or you can email me at peter at oddlyobservant.com and give me feedback on the show. I look forward to seeing y'all next time when we have Aldo Gonzalez on the show. See ya!